Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, so uh, the great flip-flop, uh, I got pretty much everything wrong, Fauci, uh, was before the Senate earlier again today, and there were a few great moments with Senator Rand Paul uh, once again calling out Fauci, telling Fauci that his research could endanger civilization. Remember, he said in 2012, he said this, even if it were to cause a worldwide pandemic, he would still support gain-of-function research. Uh, so anyway, Senator Paul called him out on all of that, that it would endanger civilization as we know it. Uh, then Rand Paul told Fauci that you you changed the definition of gain of function research to cover your ass. I love that moment. And then finally, he called for Fauci to resign for not telling the truth and admitting gain of function research is dangerous. Listen, your persistent denials, though, are not simply a stain on your reputation, but are a clear and present danger to the country and to the world. As Professor Kevin Esfeld of MIT has written, gain of function research looks like a gamble that civilization can't afford to risk. And yet here we are again with you steadfast in your denials. Why does it matter? Because gain-of-function research with laboratory-created viruses not found in nature could cause a pandemic even worse the next time. We're suffering today from one that has a mortality of approximately 1%. They're experimenting with viruses that have mortalities of between 15 and 50%. Yes, our civilization could be at risk from one of these viruses. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with known pandemic-causing viruses are incredibly risky. Experiments that combine unknown viruses with coronaviruses that have as much as 50% mortality could endanger civilization as we know it. And here you sit, unwilling to accept any responsibility for the current pandemic and unwilling to take any steps to prevent gain-of-function research from possibly unleashing an even more deadly virus. And guidelines. So what you're doing P3. is defining away gain of function. No. You're simply saying it doesn't exist because you changed the definition on the NIH website. This is terrible, and you're, you're completely trying to escape right. the idea that we should do something about trying to prevent a pandemic from leaking from a lab. There's, the preponderance of evidence now points towards this coming from the lab, and what you've done is change the definition right. on your website to try to cover your ass, basically. And then, on January of 2017, the Office of Science and Technology Policy of the White House issued the current policy. And coincidentally, I, I have coincidentally not the definition any appeared definition. on the same day the NIH said that yes, there was a gain of function in Wuhan, the same day the definition appeared, the new definition, to try to define away what's going on in Wuhan. Until you accept it, until you expect, accept responsibility, we're not going to get anywhere right. close to trying to prevent another lab leak of this dangerous sort of experiment. You won't admit well, that it's dangerous, and for that lack of judgment, I think it's time that you resign. All right, Senator Rand Paul is with us now from the great state of Kentucky. By the way, I was like ready to pull out the popcorn, pop open a beer and cheer you on because it was it was it was an amazing moment. And and it's so obvious you have totally exposed this guy and he can't handle it. He does not know how to handle you. But the real danger is, is that this could happen again and it could be worse. I mean, COVID has turned us upside down and it had a 1% mortality. What if the next lab leak has a 15 or a 50% mortality? We know the Chinese have experimented with 
viruses that have a 50% mortality, merging them together with unknowns. Fauci's position is, well, we don't know what will happen. If we don't know it's going to increase in lethality or dangerousness, then it's not gain of function. It's like, well, the experiment is to determine whether or not merging these viruses make more dangerous. At least some of the time, it's going to be more dangerous. And if you don't know that in advance, it still doesn't make it a gain of function experiment. So then they go on the website and they just get rid of gain of function, down the memory hole, no more gain of function definition on the NIH website. So he is covering up, and he wants to absolve himself of the responsibility for this pandemic. All right, let me let me go back here. Now we have the Fauci emails that showed that he first got wind of and was told directly that it looked like the virus, the COVID-19, had been manipulated. One of the genomes had been manipulated by a human. Uh, then we have the flurry of emails where he's he's going back and forth with with other officials at the NIH wondering if they funded this. Then you have the 900 pages from The Intercept. And then you have the more recently revealed documents, which I felt and read as a slam dunk. Uh, you did this. Why won't you admit it? And the question is, is there any doubt now at all in your mind, one, that Fauci knew that gain-of-function research was happening on coronaviruses in that virology lab, and that he knew that American taxpayer dollars were going to fund it. Without a doubt, he knew then, and he knows it now, and so he is not telling the truth. He knew immediately because when, when he first gets his email on January 31st of last year, he's scrambling until 2 or 3 in the morning. This guy's been in charge of a government agency for 40 years. He's at the top of the hill. You know, he is uh, in charge of everything up here. He is worried that, man, I'm in for a, a world of hurt here when they discover that I've funded research over there and that it looks like this, this virus could have escaped the lab. The most important meeting has been uh, covered up, though, and blanked out and redacted. So within a day or two of that, there's a big meeting. And the first impression of, like, five or six of his best scientific buddies is that, wow, this looks like it's gain-of-function research. But within a week, they all changed their mind. And so what we'd like to do is see what the conversation was like. And we've asked for that and never redacted it. But there, the, the people deserve to know if he knew about this and was covering it up. Well, I mean, this, this now is fairly evident. And, and on top of all of this, it would be one of the biggest cover-ups ever. Because now what we're talking about, using NIH money through a third-party group, what's it called, the, the Eco Alliance or whatever they call that group, Eco Health Alliance, I think is the name of it, so they funnel money to this group. It's sent to a virology lab in Wuhan, China. Now, pause right there. Why would one American tax dollar ever, under any circumstances, ever go to a virology lab in Wuhan in China where we know they study coronavirus and we knew that they were involved in gain-of-function research? Well, even objective scientists who are not partisan, there's this MIT professor by the name of Kevin Esfelt. He wrote in the Washington Post that sharing this information with the Chinese is like sharing with them the recipe for a plague or for a series of plagues. It's that bad. It's that serious. And yes, the Chinese are our adversaries. We wouldn't want to. We would not share nuclear secrets with them. Why would we share secrets with them that could cause or create a virus that could devastate the, the entire world? So, no, they're not trustworthy, and they it never should have been shared. But see, Fauci hasn't even learned that lesson. Even with all this grief we're giving him, he was asked a couple weeks ago by John Kennedy, "Do you trust the Chinese?" And he said, "Yes." Would you continue to fund it? And he said, "Yes." 
And today I pointed out that he approved just last August, after all this was coming forward and the pandemic was in full swing, he he approved another five-year grant for EcoHealth Alliance in Wuhan. So he, he hasn't learned anything from this. I, I guess my question is, is that he's been put on this pedestal, and I don't think there's been any one person that has been more wrong than him on pretty much every aspect of this. Um, you know, a guy that said, for example, that oh, we'll, we'll never get to a point where we're ma- mandating the vaccine while well, they're mandating it. Um, I, I would assume that it's probably not far away. Uh, I understand one city in, in California is already mandating kids five to 11 got vaccinated. Senator, we've only lost. A hun- and it's, by the way, every child is precious. You know, they're they're gifts from heaven. We lost one hundred and sixty two kids. 5 to 11 to coronavirus, almost the exact same number die from the flu. My question is, why would we then vaccinate when it's not impacting this particular demographic the way it is older people? We've lost worldwide now over 5 million people, nearly a million people in the U.S. And my question is, why would they do this? The main argument from Fauci about why we have to vaccinate kids is he says not enough adults are vaccinated. But that's only true if you don't count the people who got the disease naturally. Ninety percent of people over 65 have voluntarily gotten vaccinated. So it's not really true that we've had trouble. Ninety percent is a big number. Ninety percent of those over 65 got vaccinated. But over 100 million people in America got the disease naturally. And basically, that's as good as a vaccine. The Israeli study says it might be better than a vaccine, but it's at least as good as a vaccine. If you don't count well, that... The, well, let me go back to the Israeli study. I think I, you need to put more emphasis on this. That And it has, it's not been peer-reviewed yet, but the number of people that they're, they're looking at is extensive, almost 800,000 people. And their early results show... 27% more effective natural immunity is over, for example, the vaccine. Uh, that would be a game changer. That would be following the science, wouldn't it? Yeah, and they don't want that to get out. And it's not that he doesn't know this. And this is where he becomes sort of more dishonest. He knows all those facts. He knows that the darn good study out of Israel, but he's hell-bent on vaccinating everybody. He doesn't care about your individual liberty. He actually doesn't care if your kid gets a side effect from the vaccine because your kid's already had COVID. He, he cares more about the collective, and he's made the collective judgment that the beehive it's simple and it's simplest just to make everybody vaccinated. If we lose a few along the way, it doesn't bother him because he's about the collective. But he's even wrong about the collective because the thing is, is the kids get this. The death rate's about as the same as the flu. It's terrible, obviously, if it's your child. It's about the same as the flu. As this spreads throughout children, they're actually helping the rest of us. They're not hurting us. The vaccine's out there for people at risk and people who want to get vaccinated. But as it spreads through children, they're actually building up immunity for the community. The vaccine will kind of do this, but there is a danger to the vaccine that it hasn't been studied yet in people who have already had COVID. They excluded people who had COVID from the studies because they messed the studies up because they've already got immunity. So uh, I think uh, for my kid and they had COVID, I wouldn't vaccinate them, you know. In my mind, and you if you disagree with me you're also a medical doctor i should point that out but and and you you have not gotten vaccinated you have natural immunity you cite the israeli study for example and i know you're following the science very closely on all of this but there the issue of vax or not vax people i think have made up their mind there's nothing dr fauci or joe biden or kamala harris are going to say at this point that will convince people now we have nurses firemen policemen 
first responders, military personnel. They have made a decision for whatever reason. We're not debating vax, don't vax. They have made the decision that they're willing to give up their salary, give up their career, give up their benefits, give up even their retirement that they've worked hard for um, because they feel so strongly about it. Is there anything that can be done by Republicans in the Senate to stop, especially all of those those nurses, for example, they worked in a Petri dish at the worst moments of this, diving on one COVID grenade after another. And many of them got COVID as a result, but they don't want to get the jab for whatever reason. It's an absolute disservice to the heroism of the nurses and doctors who took care of us for a year and a half. And, you know, you don't know what it's like. After I had COVID, I worked in the hospital, and there was fear in the eyes of some of the nurses and doctors who hadn't had it yet and the elaborate precautions they were doing to try to keep getting it. But a lot of them still got it. A lot of them survived and have immunity. And what a disservice to tell them, oh, your immunity doesn't count. Only immunity from a vaccine counts. But I think one way you could get some hesitant people to do it, this is my recommendation, make it voluntary. And then say to your workforce, if you've got 2,000 uh, pilots and you're the head of Southwest Airlines, say to your pilot, you know what, we're going to have a voluntary program. If you'd like to be tested to see if you have immunity to it, to see if you had COVID previously, you can test and we'll give you an idea of it. And it may be that some of them test and find out they don't have immunity and they say to their local doctor, well, uh, you know, now that it looks like I don't have immunity, maybe I will go ahead and get the vaccine. People will come around through persuasion, talking to their family doctor, but a lot of people are resistant and our resistance becomes more hardened the more you try to force us to do something that's not our idea. Well, I think also they've gotten so much wrong. Every model, every prediction, you know, Dr. Fauci, a mask isn't going to help. Then it's one mask, then it's two masks, then it's masks in perpetuity, then it's vaxxer mask. Now it's vax mask booster, then another booster. I mean, it just it changes. The bar keeps shifting every day. And the hesitancy, I would argue, was created uh, in large part by them for being so wrong so often. And And people now have built up a a natural distrust of what they say because it keeps changing every day. And that's the same with the CDC and the NIH. You get the last 20 seconds, sir. The vaccine Dr. Fauci won't acknowledge that an 80-year-old is 10,000 times more likely to die than a 10-year-old makes us doubt his other words because he's not being honest about the difference in age groups. That, That dishonesty then breeds more hesitancy. So really, this is at the foot of Dr. Fauci. Uh, you've done a great job. Today was an epic moment. Senator Rand Paul, thank you for being with us. Appreciate you uh, always joining us. 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, your calls are coming up next. Quick break, right back. Every single day on this show, we are not forgetting the people that Joe Biden abandoned in Afghanistan. And that means our fellow, we learned, what, three weeks ago, there are hundreds of Americans. Now we've learned even more. The Pentagon confirming dozens of family members of our troops are still trapped behind enemy lines. It's 101 days when, since Joe promised he wouldn't abandon them. 13 days later, he did. They now have been stuck behind enemy lines for 89 long days. Um, we didn't want to forget that today is Veterans Day um, because every freedom we have is because of the sacrifice of others. People willing to put their lives on the line for us so that we can go about the business of living our lives as we choose. The price has been heavy. It has been high. The sacrifice enormous. And we don't appreciate, I think, these brave men and women enough. 
Uh, one guy that I know does is Frank Siller. He runs the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Now, that was dedicated to honoring the sacrifice of his brother, uh, Stephen Siller, a firefighter, FDNY, 9-11, laid down his life to save other people. You know, everybody else is going down. His brother was racing up to save lives. And what's amazing is 20 years in now, the Tunnels to Towers Foundation has supported our first responders, our vets, their families, providing heroes with with, you know, whatever they need, mortgage free homes and and so much more. Can't even begin to tell you the impact that Tunnels to Towers has on the lives of so many people that sacrifice so much for us. And our friend uh, Frank Siller is back with us. Sir, how are you? Hey, Sean, thanks for having me on today. And look, I'm right down to Lincoln Memorial today. We're reading uh, the 7,070 names of all those great heroes that gave their life for our country uh, while we could live, uh, like you said, in these liberties, this freedom that we have here in America. Uh, over the last 20 years, we lost 7,020 of our, our fellow Americans who were protecting us. And I'm down here with Gold Star families, generals, colonels, uh, corporals, you name it, people who lost their buddies to the left and the right to them and maybe survived themselves, but they are here to honor uh, the, these great families and the families that are left behind. And we're going to make sure today that uh, we honor them in the proper way. And the first time ever, we're going to make, we're reading all 7,070 names. It's going to take nearly nine hours to do it. Um, and we started early this morning, and we're, uh, we're, we're still doing it as, of, as I'm speaking with you right now. And by the way, and we, we should point out, I mean, you've had amazing success. And, for example, you have given mortgage-free homes or paid off mortgages for 35 Gold Star families around the country through their Gold Star Family Home Program. Um, you know, you also you, you did this for 15 U.S. Army soldiers, 14 U.S. Navy sailors, four Marines, one Air Force captain, one major in the North Carolina Air National Guard. But this is what you do all year long. This has now become, you know, your your passion, your calling in life, and you've been very successful at it. Well, yes. What better day to give away 35 mortgage-free homes to Gold Star families than on Veterans Day? Uh, we felt, you know, we try to do everything, have meaning behind it. And uh, many of these families are, 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 are here reading their loved ones' names. Uh, so to deliver 35 mortgage-free homes, some of them we built and some of them we paid off their mortgages, uh, we couldn't be more proud than than uh, than to do it today. But look, we promised, Total Towers Foundation made a promise that we are going to deliver 200 mortgage-free homes this year for the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We've done many things to make sure that we don't forget what happened 20 years ago. And you know, Sean, you know uh, Americans signed up, you know, to serve our country because of what happened on 9-11. So that's why we, the Tunnels of Towers Foundation, felt it was vitally important that we read the names here today because they're all part of the same story of 9-11 and the sacrifice that's been uh, made ever since. You know, you know it's funny. My, my dad fought in know, World War II, and he never wanted to talk about it. He spent four years in the Pacific. He was in the Navy. And... I, I would constantly be pressing him to talk about it. He didn't want to talk about it. And what I, what I, the little I did get out of him is that it was too painful. And it was painful because he lost a lot of friends that served next to him in that conflict. Four long years in the, in the Pacific. That's a long time. And Jeez. when you think of people like your brother and then you think of the people that have 
that fight these wars for us that then get politicized and then we say never mind and the people the families that lost loved ones or people that lost their legs and their arms or been disfigured at at a level you can't even comprehend and uh, that infuriates me more than anything do you ever think frank we'd ever abandon americans behind enemy lines the way joe biden did no, it's so disturbing. I, I can't even. Uh, it, it, it's just. It's disgusting. But look, you, the last thirteen heroes that we lost uh, a few months ago, as you talk about every single day, about those that are left behind. Thank God that you do that. Um, one of them was Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, and Riley's widow, uh, Gigi, um, is uh, her name is Jenna, but we call her Gigi. Uh, she gave birth to their baby after. After he, she lost her husband, we're building them a mortgage-free home, a heart and a baby, a mortgage-free home in, in South Carolina. There were two catastrophically injured service members that survived that uh, suicide bombing, uh, and we're, we're going to build them uh, two uh, specially adapted uh, mortgage-free homes for uh, you know country's most catastrophically injured service members, and they are catastrophically injured. Um, so, uh, your listeners, we're proactive. We take a situation where we see uh, such an injustice or such loss of life, and we try to turn it around and do some good and help the families that are left behind and bring them into the Tunnel to Towers uh, family. We love these families. America is beautiful. Most of America cares. Your listeners care. And Tunnel to Towers Foundation, we deliver 90, over 93 cents of every dollar that's donated goes to these programs. I don't get paid. We have thousands and thousands of volunteers. So it's, it's, a, it's a sad day. Well, you've, you've day delivered 450 homes. I want to tell my audience your website. It's T, the letter T, the number two, the letter T dot org. That's T two T dot org. And what they really like most people to do is just pledge to donate 11 bucks a month uh, so they can build out as many homes that are needed. There are literally thousands that need the help. Uh, Tunnel to Towers, they also have a Facebook page if you want to check it out there. Uh, Frank, you're a good man. Uh, Happy Veterans Day. God bless your brother and your family, your organization. We appreciate you always coming on the program. Thank you so much, Sean. And last thing, St. Francis of Assisi said, brothers and sisters, while we have time, while we are here, let us do good. The work we're doing is good, and we must always take care of these great heroes. Thank you to your veterans that are listening, and God bless America, and thank you for your great help, Sean. All right, Frank Siller, uh, Tunnels to Tower. That's T, the number two, T, dot org. Uh, also joining us on this Veterans Day is uh, Jocko uh, Willink is back with us live. And by the way, a career following, you know, a decorated turn as a Navy SEAL. He's achieved amazing success as a writer, businessman. He's now hosting his own podcast. Uh, I'm jealous because uh, I do mixed martial arts. One of the it's an eclectic blend of arts. One of them is Japanese jujitsu. Uh, he is a Brazilian jujitsu black belt. Um I can say this, Jocko, and you know this is true. Uh, The things that you can do to manipulate somebody's fingers alone or arms alone is, you know, whenever we're we're doing jujitsu with my sensei, I'm like, ah, ah, Uh, and I'm tapping out fast. Yeah, well, Sean, as you know, uh, jujitsu stands for the gentle art, but anybody that practices that art knows that it's not very gentle at all. <laughs> no. Um, you know, he puts me in a cardigan, he wrist lock, and I'm like, ah, tap! I said, literally scream. 
And um, we actually practice something you might get a kick out of pain day because the the premise behind it is that if you can't take a punch, if you can't tolerate pain, you're not going to be able to defend yourself. And that consists of me just, you know, pushing my arms out and him beating the crap out of them. And then I stand there and he hits me as hard as he can in my stomach. And then I have to take it again and again and again until he drops me. Not exactly pleasant, but I'm sure you do similar things. Yeah, well, my wife wants to put me through that type of training on a regular basis. I'm not exactly sure what the what the benefit is, but I have to just deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have this novel that you put out. It's very powerful. It's called The Final Spin. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll let you talk about the book a little bit, but it's you, you've been following the debacle in Afghanistan and the treatment of our military. Um, it's disastrous. I mean, Donald Trump did do a lot to fix up the VA but not enough. The veterans' hospitals are not fixed to the extent that we need them fixed. Well, th- that's true. And, and on top of that, I mean, we've got to take care of, of, of our military, the people that are active duty. I mean, you've got China right now absolutely preparing for war. They're building hypersonic missiles. You see them out there practicing bombing American warships. They got full-size targets out in the desert. That's what, that's what the enemy is doing. Yeah, with and the USA on it. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and they're indoctrinating their youth with these anti-American propaganda war films. I don't know if you've seen any of those. They're some of the most popular films in the world, and that's that's what's happening in China. And meanwhile, back here, you know, we're cutting our budgets and not training our, our military the, the way we should. Well, we're really not. You know, on this Veterans Day, we don't take enough time to just stop, ponder, think, reflect that every bit of freedom we have that the price has been so high. I was discussing this earlier with Frank Siller. Every single, you know, Thanksgiving, while they're stuffing our, our faces with turkey and, and, and all the trimmings, you know, we have that because other people w- willing to fight, die, become disabled, have the most debilitating injuries. And I guess the only thing that really frustrates me is w- the way we seem to fight wars now is we're all gung-ho, and then it becomes politicized, and then it becomes never mind. And then we we pull out and we leave. We cannot ever do that again, ever, under any circumstances. And we've got to develop the next generation of weaponry where wars can be fought by pushing buttons in Tampa, Florida. That's how you're going to fight the next war. I do like that idea of fighting the next war that way. And, And certainly we should never even go into war unless we are going into that war to win Win at all costs, do what do we have to do to achieve victory. If we're not going to go in with that attitude, we shouldn't go in at all. Trump didn't get enough credit for it, but he took out Baghdadi and associates. He took out Soleimani. He took out the al-Qaeda leader in Yemen. But he also beat back the caliphate, and it got very little attention in the media. And he did it because he bombed them. He obliterated them with bombs. And he literally destroyed the entire caliphate that grew under Joe Biden and Barack Obama. Yeah, and you got to remember, at one point, they were saying that this was an ideology. You can't fight these people. There's no way we can beat them. And <laughs> we actually proved that we can beat them 100%, and we did. We destroyed tens of thousands of those uh, ISIS fighters in a relatively short period of time, and it proved that if you have the will, you can get it done. What are the guys that you know that served in Afghanistan and Iraq, what are they saying about what Joe Biden did by leaving and abandoning Americans behind enemy lines. What do they tell you? Because they're telling me an awful lot. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. And, and clearly you've got the, 
the, the people that have been left behind here. That's absolutely horrible. We've got the, the, the tragedy of the, the soldiers and Marines that were killed while they were trying to leave. And then you've got this idea, Sean, of the enemy having billions of dollars worth of our equipment. And look, it's hard enough to go and fight an enemy that has all kinds of advantages because they don't care if they hurt civilians. They have no rules of engagement. They can do whatever they want. And now they've got our weapon system. This is something that is so disturbing. I have trouble sleeping at night because of it. Tell us a little bit real quick. We have a little less than a minute about your book, Final Spin. It's a novel you wrote, but it's literally ripped from the pages of a newspaper. Yeah, it's a story about a couple brothers, and they are going through life, and things aren't going quite the way they want them to go. It's a story about being American. It's a story about trying to find your way, trying to find happiness, and it's also a story about the sacrifice that brothers are willing to make for each other. Uh, Jocko Willink, decorated Navy SEAL, great guy, great book. It's called Final Spin. It's on Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Sir, thanks for being with us. Happy Veterans Day, and, and thanks to all of those people that served. Hey, thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. And all those vets out there, I salute you. Thanks for your service. Amen.